Well, we may be poorly translated by an American brony, but we're here to talk gibberfish, aren't we, Dom? Poorly translated by an American brony? Yeah, this is uh, this is a story that's been hanging around for so long, and this podcast has taken a while to come out. Uh, episode 40 has just been a pain in the ass to record. It's involved everything from uh, sickness to like random appearances to family and relatives to uh, like failing technical uh, issues. But yeah. way back when we originally planned to record episode 40... There was a story about uh, the Scottish page or the Scottish version of Wikipedia being edited by a non-Scotsman. Uh, turns oh, out, just the physicist guy. Yes, I, I, oh, fuck, I, fuck I know we're guy. like a way behind the uh, way behind the the eight ball on this one, but I really think we need to talk about the fact that this yeah, is the dumbest up. news of all time. Um, yeah, it, we need. Sorry, Nico. we need to talk. We need to talk about this because. As you as you well know, if you're listening to this podcast, I have a problem with people uh, pretend, doing a Scottish accent or doing an awful Scottish accent. Even people that think a person does a spectacular Scottish accent, I will find a problem with that. This is just the digital equivalent of that, and it cannot stand. So, yeah, a uh, an American with a deep passion for Scotland, allegedly, uh, has been editing the Wikipedia pages under the Scots version of Wikipedia, and the first issue with this is I genuinely have never heard of the Scottish version of Wikipedia. I didn't I, even know there was one. Yeah. Um, and if you're not from Scotland and wonder how Scottish people use Wikipedia, we use the English version of it and just let the voice or voices in our heads translate to Scots. There's official like Scots dictionaries and courses that you can use to learn an official version of Scots English, but to be honest, Scots is just basically an accent with a few extra bits of slang thrown in there. Uh, as someone who has had to read uh, old Scottish legislation, Scots is definitely a, a language as to itself. Well, that's the, it that's like old Scots. Impossible. Yeah, I'd say like the the old Scots is kind of like a halfway between English, uh, relatively modern English. Obviously, like when you get into old English, English doesn't sound like old English. But I'd say it's like a mix of relatively modern English and Gaelic that's in there, yeah. there's some th- old words to throw in, like, try and mix it back to the Gaelic uh, origin, but beyond, like, for most Scots, for 90% of people, this would never be an issue. We would never need to consult Scots Wikipedia. Yeah. And most of the knowledge that's on Scottish Wikipedia, most Scottish people just know that like, we are taught this shit in primary school. Yeah. Um, I actually tweeted an original, well, a link to the original Reddit thread, but again, it's been so long that fucker's long buried. Um, but yeah. the as you as you pointed out, the one that gets me going the most is the word physicist. Uh, now, I like physics, and uh, Scots actually really have a big history of education and science. So seeing the word physicist written as physicist kind of mm. hit me hard. I don't know what it was. I was actually uh, talking to people on a Discord when I when this article got kind of handed to me by my people, because I have many sources, uh, they're uh, handing me just random shit from the internet. It's actually half of how this podcast gets made, is people just send me random shit. um, And I find stuff like this. And I went absolutely fucking mental. I honestly just typed it paragraph after paragraph of just, this is bullshit, this is why this is nonsense. And it was, actually I think most of it ends up in this script for this episode, because... uh, I actually have to admit that I write notes for this podcast as well, which some people find surprising, but we try to go in depth a little bit here. So we, if we have ideas, 
it's not a bad idea to flesh them out on text first. But again, I write those in English and the voice and voices in my head translate it to Scots for me because that's how we read. That's how it works, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I mean, long story short, I get that this kid kind of wants to help and uh, I can see like the idea that because, again, the Scots just have the voice in their head that translates English to Scots, like there probably wasn't a lot on Scots Wikipedia when he got there and he probably thought Some, there's a gap in the market, I can make an impact and make uh, make a change and help out. But this kid fucked up. Oh yeah, definitely. Plus, I get that I'm Scottish and I'm very, very I'm proud to be from Scotland. Uh, I get being a Francophile. I get being an Anglophile. But, I mean, do you like trains? Is that why you're a whatever, a, whatever the version of Scottish <laughs> a file is? I'm a big fan of trains and penicillin. And, <laughs> and light bulbs. And TV. And the photo. Yeah, I suppose Scottish people do do really have a lot to... We actually punch way above our uh, weight yeah. class. And I think it's yeah, because of our that. history of education. Yeah. But still, uh, in an age where people cry uh, cultural appropriation all the time, how the hell did this guy get away with it? Yeah. Did no one think, oh, you might be pissing off a few Scottish people if you do this? And he just went, nah, whatever. I'll go on here and say I'm the administrator <laughs> and I'm a physicist. <laughs> Administ- administrator, but there's no you an administrator. <laughs> no, nah, it'll piss me off too much. <laughs> it was like a time I had to stop listening to Critical Role because uh, Matthew Mercer, as good as a voice actor as he is, he just went, oh, give me a second and I'll, I'll look that oop for you in this book right here I went, point on a map of Scotland where you think that accent is from mate. <laughs> this is why I can never go see Critical Role live because everyone would be like yeah Matt do the Scottish accent I'd be like please don't we don't need it see I reckon if he did it in Scotland he would just get pointers from the audience saying no 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 not like this this is the pronunciation this is, this is how that word comes out of our faces I think someone he'd... just just a point of representative just going we have some notes Matthew <laughs> We, we, the council, have appointed a representative who we have sent forth <laughs> with the following yeah, declaration. One, book, not book. <laughs> yeah. And the word is up, not oop. <laughs> it's, Can you uh, imagine that? Yeah. He, he says that in Scotland and you just hear the collective. The, the collective like, intake of air there. Oh, no, nah, don't like that. I, I wonder, though, because if you talk about like cultural appropriation and we, we've made the joke of Cultural appropriation isn't a thing anymore. It's just it's just sharing. Um, like we've yeah. done that to death at this point. But I wonder when I look at this type of thing, when someone is like pretending to be Scottish, well, there's no word for it because nobody gives a shit. But if we're gonna call yeah. it anything, it's got to be tartan face. I'm putting the I'm putting yeah. my foot on the ground for this one. But also, do you not think that we play up the Scottish accent a bit ourselves? Like I feel like uh, when listening to it for right now, obviously. During the COVID crisis, we got a lot of uh, radio announcements about the current uh, state of affairs. There's a lot of uh, announcements on advice from members of Scottish Parliament who come on the on the radio waves to say, we're currently dealing with this. Make sure you're doing the following things to make uh, yourself and others around you safe. Uh, wash your hands, wear a face mask, stay two metres apart from everyone, try to avoid gathering spa- in like tightly packed spaces, you know, yada, yada, yada. And... Um, I feel like the voices they choose for that and the voices that come on the radio for Scottish accents are the most tartan face I've ever fucking heard. Mm. Because I don't actually know anyone who sounds like that. Maybe they're out there somewhere, but 
every now and again I hear a radio advert about, and it could literally just be anything like car insurance, and you could have someone try to sell you car insurance with the most fucking tartan face accent I've ever fucking heard in my life. And I'm just like, no one, like, take it down five notches, the fucking normal people aren't here, we're all just normal Scottish people here. This isn't the fucking Highland Games, we can take it down a peg. I think that's uh, I think that's been a through line in Scottish advertising for quite a while because you remember back in the early two thousands when there was a I can't remember the guy's name but he had the he did all the Scottish history programs and he had the long hair, uh, long kind of black salt pepper hair and uh, whenever he would do his adverts uh, on the BBC and he'd be like Hi, my name is John Smith and today we're going to be talking about Scotland and today I'm going to surprise you. With something new, and I'm like, dude, no one, tone it down a bit. <laughs> you're playing it up for the, you're playing it up for everybody. I understand that. If you bring out a live and haggis on television, I will beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> all right. and I, I actually, think in general, just with considering the fact that Scotland is such a melting pot of cultures now, they try and speak as clearly as possible to avoid Ofcom complaints. Yeah, I I will say that once uh, I did have one enjoyable instance of tartan face. And that was, we went to a restaurant in uh, Edinburgh, and that was me and a friend from America. And on the menu, they had uh, a joke about all the haggis being live caught by the staff of the restaurant and brought to the place, still alive, so that it was as fresh as possible. And I explained the joke to the American and all the little, like, uh, folklore tales that you hear that haggis run around the hills all day, and they have one leg shorter than the other so they can run around the hills constantly, because one leg will be slightly higher up, so one leg develops shorter. So all you do to catch them is you run them the other way and you follow the hill and you catch them at the bottom of the hill. That's how you catch live haggis. So I I made that joke and uh, I said, if you want to make the guy laugh, ask him about the live haggis. Ask him if you can see live haggis. Just take the piss a little bit and he'll get it. And like, it'll be, it'll be fine. Like it'll be kind of, it'll be just a little joke between you and him. And uh, it was just the funniest fucking thing in the world to be like, Haggis aren't real, we all know that, but at the same time, for tourists, we play it up. Because every now and again, someone is genuinely confused about the idea of there being a live haggis. See, I would have, I would have went the other way with it. I, as a Scotsman, would have marched into the back, spoke to the head chef and says, I am from Scotland, you cannot catch haggis in America, you are nothing but a liar. Just played at the angry Scotsman part. <laughs> How dare you? The haggis is a noble creature. No, this You've was in Edinburgh. It. It's not fresh. <laughs> this was in Edinburgh with a friend from America. Oh, in Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. All right. I thought you seen the. Fr- I thought you were in, in Edinburgh. No, no, no. Uh, this yeah. uh, the one very Scottish establishment I visited in America. Well, actually, there was two. Um, one was the uh, the world's largest beer hall, which was in North Carolina. Very nice place. Uh, it has a few Scottish beers on hand. I decided to give them a go. Not bad. Um, but the other one was Tilted Kilt, which is legitimately just Hooters with Tartan. Cannot fucking yeah, complain. We can let that one slide. Yeah, we can let that one slide. <laughs> tartan mini skirts, ladies and gentlemen, it fucking works. Um, but if I hear one put on Scottish accent, if I hear the slightest bit of Tartan face, fucking burn the place now. No, actually, I was entirely fine with the lassie who was serving us because she was Southern. Southern accent. Right. Scots uh, Tartan mini dress. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Yeah, like I said, as long as you didn't do any accents, I'd be fine. Because again, I've been playing a lot of a, uh, a lot of a, uh, RPGs that have been recorded in England recently. A lot of a, uh, 
games by a company called Monolith Soft, and they're all recorded down in England, and they'll have a random smattering of Scottish accents in there. And I'll say most of them are pretty good, but then you get the occasional, you know, see you Jimmy accent coming in out of nowhere, and it's just you're not even trying to maintain the accent. Oh, if we're going to talk about how Scots sell ourselves, like, uh, like we sell ourselves out when it comes to like tartan face stuff, see you Jimmy hats. What the fuck is that? I honestly can't believe we sell those widely across Edinburgh, and we wear them ourselves. That's fucking nuts to me. But anyway. Yeah, the RPGs, like, it, it's not that hard to bust down a Scottish voice actor or have a voice actor just record lines and send them to you digitally now. Hmm. Just, you know. Yeah, although these games came out in 2017, so they really had no no excuse. Oh, 2017, okay. What type of games yeah, are they? These are, old games, these are old games that I've been trying to hunt down for a while and I've finally, uh, maybe through people just selling shit to, you know, keep the lights on in their house. Mm. So... I've been managed to find copies. So is it like a JRPG or is it? Uh... It's a game called Xenoblade Chronicles Two. So yeah, it's. I think yeah, it's a JRPG. I think that's what you class it as. All right. Yeah, I've, I've vaguely heard of that series, but haven't uh, I heard that. Don't even about. ask me to try and explain the fucking story because <laughs> Jesus Christ, I, I I couldn't even do it. I thought I had it figured out from playing the first game. Now I've played the second game, and I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> now, now it's worse somehow. Thank you. Yeah, for that no, it's, <laughs> now it's just made it worse. Uh, speaking of random Japanese products that you don't understand, Helsing is on Netflix, and I made a vague offhand reference to Helsing in a text to you, and it just happens that Helsing is on Netflix, as well as Halloween. So, uh, the Halloween 2018 movie, uh, the newest one, I, well, maybe not the newest one, actually, there's, wait, is, it didn't come out, did it? The, the very new one, Halloween 2. Uh, oh, Halloween. We're calling it. Halloween Kills? Yeah, Halloween Kills. That's not out yet. No, they were holding off on that so they could do in-cinema in screenings. That's uh, 2021, I think. Yeah, it was supposed to come no, out this year, but they've just pushed it back. But uh, yeah. yeah, Halloween 2018 is on Netflix along with Helsing. If you want to watch uh, one of our favourite movies of 2018, definitely give Halloween a go. And if you want to watch a bombastic anime about a vampire hunting uh, Nazi vampires using, uh, like, the... As in, like, the Helsing Foundation... Uh, son of or the descendants of uh, Van Helsing in an anime it's fucking amazing I love that show so much I'm kind of annoyed at you for not having seen it or the Dragon Ball Z parody uh, you, you know me unless it's a uh, unless it's Dragon Ball Z or a uh, Mobile Suit Gundam or anything to do with Steve Bloom I've not watched it There's, I'm just going to draw a line under it uh, there's certain there's certain anime that I keep getting told to watch. Like for example, you keep saying watch uh, My Hero Academia. Mm. A lot of people keep trying to get me to watch something called Fire Force. Fire Force was okay. Gonna, Fire Force was just not never going to do it. So. <laughs> My only thing with Fire Force was when I watched it, I wasn't sure how long it's going to last. Uh, it turns out it's only going to be two seasons, uh, fifty two episodes. So I'll watch all of it. But uh, I I was getting the vibe that this was going to be one of those like five hundred episode shonen animes that was going to get worse over time. So mm-hmm. I was initially quite hesitant, but uh, once uh, anime production starts back up again, that's one of the first things to get made. Um, All right. But Attack on Titan comes first. But So that should be like maybe late part of 2021 when it gets brought out for season two. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually for Helsing, uh, this I was going to say, talk about like voice actors and stuff like uh, Steve Bloom, I don't think he's in there. He might be. 
But uh, like this was uh, an early Funimation thing, so it's a lot more of the OG cast. But I looked at actually who was in there. Uh, Crispin Freeman as Alucard, uh, doing possibly one of the most iconic roles ever. Uh, Yuri yeah. Lowenthal is in there if you're an Attack on Titan fan. And uh, Laura Bailey is actually in there. All right. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's graphic, like the visuals of the show are amazing because uh, it's Helsing Ultimate, which is a remaster. The original came out as like 20 episodes and then they just put it into uh, a bunch of OVAs, which were like 40 minutes long. I own all the DVDs. I want to upgrade them all to Blu-ray just to say I have them all in the, the best possible mm-hmm. format. But absolutely fucking love the show. Definitely give it a go. Yeah, I'll... I'll try and watch a couple episodes, but I, I promise nothing. I'm looking for something new to watch right now because uh, whenever I find a new series, the uh, the impulse is always to watch all of it as much as quickly as I can. I, I'm always able to slightly resist it for a while, but then I just think, ah, oh, fuck, it, a couple more episodes can't hurt. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm quite glad that uh, The Boys is taking the tactic of one episode a week because it means you can parse it out over the course of, was it four weeks? Yeah. No, five weeks. Five or six weeks, whatever yeah, it is. First the episode dropped in a, a one to get you back into it, and then after that is one a week on Fridays. Yeah. Which I'm quite I'm quite happy with. <laughs> Although in between that I've been watching the T V version of what we do in the shadows, which if you like the movie, the the T V show is fucking hysterical. The, the cast of it is just outstanding. I uh I, I'm a big fan of the movie after someone got me into watching it. But I haven't managed to find where the TV show is uh, being broadcast. Where do you, where do you find it? it? It took me ages to find it as well because it's not on. It's not on Prime and it's not on Netflix. And if it's not on either of those two, where the fuck could it be? <laughs> uh, it's actually it was actually on BBC iPlayer. Ah uh, shit! Because luckily not... the the streaming quality is really good on iPlayer. Yeah, just I don't have a TV license, so I shouldn't be using iPlayer. They uh, don't check. They they might, and that's the fear. So all <laughs> oh, right, that's that's the thing. Well, Hmm? Every time I check, I just say yes, and I don't think I do. I just say yes. I have a TV license. Just look shifty. I think as long as someone in your house has it, I'm sure your parents have it. They probably have. Maybe. It. I don't I don't know. Know. We'll find out. You'll you'll find out the hard way. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I'll find out one way or another. I uh, yeah. I mean, I've started watching the boys as well. I've blasted through season one uh, in yeah. just a matter of days. Starting season two, and I fucking love that show. And I will highly recommend yeah. it to anyone. I think, I, I just texted you before we started the show, I think I want to do an entire episode just on The Boys so we can talk about it like entirely yeah. spoiler, uh, go balls to the walls on it because there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think we go with that one because there is quite a lot uh, quite a lot to talk about almost in every episode. Because <laughs> even going into season two, you're still thinking, holy shit, I didn't know that. Or they've spoke about that in season one. Yeah. And now I'm getting a bit more of that in season two. I'll just say that yeah. as far as the like the cinematography for it is fantastic. It's way better than a TV show really should be. Um, it's also just the writing for it. If uh, if you're a fan of superheroes, as we obviously are, you can get a lot out of the show. You don't need to be if you're even if you're just sick of superheroes. Um, you will definitely watch it if you're sick of superheroes. <laughs> because uh, when we see, every... but you might enjoy it more. If you hate superheroes. Yeah, I'd say there's maybe two redeemable hero characters and that is uh, Starlight and Queen Maeve. They're the only decent superheroes 
in there, like yeah. you, who are decent, like superheroes who are decent people. Everyone else, mm-hmm. if they were like ragdolled across a room by a truck, I'd be happy with it. I'd be yeah. entirely happy with everyone in the show suffering for a long time, um, including yeah. actually, Usually, uh, what's his name? Fucking Huey. I really don't like Huey. I'm, I don't think him. I think Huey's just meant to be the character that you can really sympathise with. He's just kind of through line because he's just he's a regular dude next to you know highly trained FBI agents, military. Yeah, Superheroes. Mother's Milk was in the military. Then you've got uh, Frenchie, who was just this chemical genius. <laughs> and then you've got Huey, who just sells speakers and headphones and shit. That's fine. But you're just meant to think that he's some boring character. I mean, that's fine. But the problem is, Huey's a little bitch. And I just, at a certain point, I'm like, you need to realize what world you're living in. And you should have realized it three episodes ago. You went in with a group of possibly CIA, FBI, ex-military hitmen uh, to try and hunt Hmm. down superheroes. But you have these weird, annoying, like, super moral moments after you've already done some pretty fucked up shit. I just, I I, like, just either get in the car or fuck off. (laughs) So every time somebody hands him his ass on a plate, I'm like, yeah, you had that coming. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to be like, ooh, can't believe you did that to Huey. Because I'd do it to Huey in a second. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I I will say this is probably one of the the funniest. It's based loosely on uh, DC's Justice League. Like all the characters are like a a translation of a DC character from Justice League. And if you want to see, I mean, the 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 comic that it's based on was literally made because uh, I think the guy who wrote it, a guy named Garth Ennis, was just he'd he'd been working for DC for quite a while and just wanted to do something that destroyed the whole big team-up format. He wanted to do something where the superheroes were the bad guys. Yeah. And that's where it came from, and they all become sort of, as Colin said, parodies of the Justice League. Yeah. Like, you can see in Homeland... Without a Batman, though. Uh, I heard that Dark uh, Black Noir is supposed to be um, Batman, but it's cranked to... Like, all these characters are... They start from the same place as a... DC superhero, and then they crank them to excess all the way up. Yep. Like the high points, they're they're much more vicious and stronger. I'd say possibly than some DC heroes. I'll say nothing strong than Superman, but I'd say they're they're technically better at their jobs than a DC hero could be at certain days. But also, all the worst traits are ramped right up as well. So I've obviously black. When we say like Batman's ruthless and he doesn't stop at anything. Black Noir, Black Noir will gut someone on the street for shits and giggles if they're in his way. Mm. And uh, I'd say that's where... I think that might be the closest you're going to get to uh, Batman in that series. Unless yeah. you introduce another character. Because y- you could say Butcher, but Butcher's quite literally the Punisher. Down to the long coat and the penchant for guns. It is the Punisher. And I, fu- I Carl Urban in this show is just amazing. I, yeah. I feel like he's found like the role of a lifetime that he could just inhabit for the next five, ten years and I'd be entirely yeah. happy with it. Yeah. I'd love to see more I'd love to see them keep doing the boys, but I think there is only so many comic books. I think there's only three volumes of books. Yeah. But they could always just expand upon that. But as much as I'd like to see him keep doing that, I would like to see him put on the Judge Shred uniform a couple more times. Yeah, I think his dread was probably one of the best films that came out in a long time when it comes to like superheroes but if you want that alternative take and I actually think they saw Dread and were like 
he'd make a really good Billy Butcher. I yeah, uh, I don't absolutely. know if he was originally like they've just planned from the beginning to have him there, but they really should have. He's yeah. uh, perfect for the role, and I watching like his journey, his story through this is kind of heartbreaking in certain points. But uh, at the same time, you really, again, he like his heart gets broken, but at the same time, he's an asshole, and unfortunately, he kind of had it coming a lot of the time. Um, mm. I just got to season two, episode four, and uh, you'll know exactly what I mean. Saying that bridge scene was painful um so yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff in this show where it's like you're gonna watch everyone get their comeuppance but that means everyone is getting it and even if they're your favorite character everyone is gonna get hurt by this show and it's fucking amazing i love it yeah it definitely uh, cures the superhero fatigue or it did for me anyway because uh I, was, I think we're all just getting bored with the superhero format. Then the heroes, then uh, the boys comes in and just goes, all right, these are going to be murdering psychopaths and we have a couple of guys that are going to sort it out. So sit down and enjoy. Yeah. Actually, we're talking about like, superhero fatigue. Uh, there will be no uh, DC or no no uh, MCU movies this year, which I yeah. think actually technically makes Sonic the Hedgehog one of the highest grossing movies of this year. If we can yeah. just keep the lockdown going until... December, Sonic is the biggest movie of 2020. That is hysterical. I am all fucking for that. Have the Oscars passed? Have we already missed the Oscars? I think they've been delayed. Um, They should have... They normally are in February, but I think they've already said, based on the fact that Hollywood doesn't basically hasn't even started production again, or if it has, it's done so in limited capacity, there won't be anything um to really review from this year. Uh, until maybe April and even then that's like a, a maybe April they might just cancel it this year just to avoid anything going on um, but at the same time they've also put in their new uh, rules for best picture which uh, basically f- requires a best f- best picture can- uh, candidate to have a diversity quota both oh. in front of and behind the camera so we're not entirely sure how it's all going to play because they've made a big deal about these rules coming in and mm. um, I think they might have one, but at the same time, like if the some of the people that I see that are actually still making stuff or people who are making fresh content are doing so in very small indie studios because you don't have to have a hundred people on set. You have six or seven, so you've got room to social distance on set, which means there's a lot of indie films getting made, and a lot of those could be really good because indie films actually are getting really, really good. Um, and actually there's like big camera and tech news coming out at this point which is going to make the indie scene very interesting in the next couple of years but um, I, I the thing uh, the diversity quotas that they're asking for I'm worried that those will actually like the requirement to have X amount of people if you're working in a small indie studio you might not have the resources to go out and get those people so you might have a movie that's worthy of being a best picture nominee but it would never get there Although, to be fair, nine times out of ten with the Oscars system, indie movies never get there in the first place. Yeah. I mean, personally, I just think we should get rid of the Oscars altogether. I think it's a fucking pointless circle jerk of a an event. Yeah. No point in it. The uh, sooner we get rid of the Oscars, the better. Become, people can start just making fucking movies again without worrying about the Oscar buzz. Uh, but I it's Hollywood the, sucking itself the, off, so that'll never end. So. Yeah. I, I just... Fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. But my point in the Oscars is if we, if we, because well, lockdown two is around the corner, waiting with a fucking 
baseball bat with nails in it. It may have already started. In the head. Yeah, it's so if we keep it in lockdown, we just need to get everybody to buy copies of Sonic the Hedgehog the movie, mm. so that when the time comes, the only movie that gets an Oscar will be Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. <laughs> I uh, I think its box office is about three hundred million, but that's yeah, it's the, the highest grossing movie, <laughs> a video game movie, I think. Yeah, but like this thing is because this year has been a total shit show. I mean, Christopher Nolan released uh, Tenant, and that apparently had opening box office of twenty million for a Christopher yeah. Nolan film that has been hyped to fuck and back. Yeah, apparently, it's a really good film as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just I'll wait and see it. I'll wait and get a, a Blu-ray. Um, yeah, that, that was that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to a cinema, and I will just echo the thoughts of El Goro from uh, Talk With It Rhythm. When he said uh, that he is, he works with the university uh, as like some uh, assistant for IT, but he was saying that he has access to professionals and academics in the field, and they are all saying the same thing. And obviously, science, scientists love to disagree and bicker, but when you're when all scientists are in agreement on this type of thing, you shut the fuck up and listen. And he was pointing yeah. out, every one of them says a cinema is possibly the worst place to go during a viral pandemic that is revolved around the respiratory system because you have nothing there's no windows there's no air there's no fresh air coming through to try and take away uh virus particles you are all stuck together in the same room breathing the same air for 90 minutes to two hours he's he's made a very good point saying unless you are like even if you're comfortable with your own health being put at risk remember with the virus you are now at risk or you are now risking the lives of everyone you come into contact with it's not just about you we need to like cinephiles should be making the sacrifice readily to not go and see movies in the cinema yeah i think it falls to the production companies then to just make their movies available somewhere else uh disney are probably going to try and do that because i don't think it's going to be safe to go to the cinemas for a long time not until the vaccine gets mass produced yeah yeah uh, I think they should just start putting... If Black Widow... They say that Black Widow's almost done, but they're delaying the release. Just release it on fucking Disney+. Plus. Do a digital release. Um, the the Mulan release didn't go over that well, but I think that's just because people aren't used to it. Um, and also people I just don't like think that, that people don't want to see a, a live-action Mulan. I think that was the, <laughs> yeah. that was the case. <laughs> but, I mean, well, that's, that's a good point. People aren't enjoying the live-action remakes of these movies, these uh, Disney classics that we're getting, so maybe that's a bad test case, but it also does kind of help break the water, I guess. Like, if you're going to throw something to break the ice, you might as well throw a fucking dud at it. And then yeah. when it comes around to the Marvel movies, which you want to put out there with a big release... You can at least send that in afterwards, so it's got a good chance of actually breaking the ice and being a product worth watching. I, uh, I, I think they should try again with digital release, maybe not hedge it on uh, a a live action remake of a classic film that everyone's already seen. And yeah, uh, a live action remake of a film that originally had Eddie Murphy in it. <laughs> Don't try and release that film live action without Eddie Murphy. It was never going to work in the first place. Actually, I, I, like we're recording on the twenty sixth of September. I woke up this morning to see everyone had found out about Eddie Murphy singing, uh, because, <laughs> and it's like an old, it's just an old musical number he did in the eighties, and it's a fucking banger. It's just he happened to want to make one song and made one song, and it was great. 
So people have found out about that. So it just happens to be a weird point that you bring up Eddie Murphy. And uh, what was the other one? Someone, oh, that was the other one. Uh, Vin Diesel released uh, a song, and I just I'm not Why? listening to it. I'm not, <laughs> I have no idea. Right, I, I don't know what mumble rap is, but I can imagine if Vin Diesel did mumble rap, it would, or even if he didn't do mumble rap, <laughs> it would be confused for mumble rap very quickly. Yeah, he's making some kind of uh, dance club hit, and I guess he was just bored and was like, it's time to teach himself a new skill during the lockdown, and he taught himself music, I guess. Uh, it's, I think he's uh, doing a, a remix, doing some kind of Pitbull uh, tribute. It's When I listened, I listened to like a clip of it, because uh, some, somebody found footage, they, they previewed this song on, uh, I think there's a talk show in the U- US called uh, like Kelly Clarkson Show, and he had mm. her on... Uh, to kind of help promote the song and they go this is the weirdest black mirror shit I've ever seen and they turn to the audience and it's a bunch of people dancing uh, to the music but they're all in TV screens because they can't be there physically so digital audiences are now a thing um, you'll see them on clips from like the, the Ellen show and all these live talk shows where they just have people Skype into the, the room and they watch the show live through their TV or they watch it live through their laptop and they're broadcast on television on these screens. And it's like 30 or 40 people are just kind of moving and grooving, but all doing different things. It's really fucking funny. I, I'd recommend watching it because it's, it's just a funny like 15 second clip of people dancing to a Vin Diesel song uh, through their TV, on TV. It doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's amazing to watch. I'm looking at I'm still trying to wrap my head around what or try to make myself think of what exactly a Vin Diesel song would sound like. <laughs> it's distracting. But it's going to keep me, might keep me awake. <laughs> yeah. I, every now and again, you just have a thought that creeps into your head and you just think, what is the fucking point of that? And then you just start to kind of, uh, it just, it sits there and it percolates yeah. for a little bit and it comes back in waves. Yeah. It was like a, we we spoke about this a bit off the off the stream, but it was when uh, perusing Twitter as I as I'm wont to do nowadays with not a lot to do. Uh, suppose in between doing uni work and stuff, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a bit because that has thrown me for a fucking loop. Uh, but it's browsing Twitter and I seen a, a a Twitch streamer. I didn't know who the hell they were. Uh, then again, I I don't really go on Twitch all that much. I think there's about five or six streamers I actually pay attention to, and this streamer was getting really, really annoyed at being asked, hi, how are you? And it made me truly realise that streamers are just a different breed of humanity. Yeah. Now, this was uh, retweeted by our friend Argic, who is a Twitch streamer himself, doing very well, very proud of you, boy. And uh, the one thing that we were talking about, I think between either me and you, or you and him, or me and him, was that it's kind of like if you're a cab driver, and every time someone got in your cab, they asked you the same question. Like, they yeah. asked you the same, hey, how's the weather? Like, after the, like, 10th time, you're going to be like, shut the fuck up about the weather. It's not that interesting. Yeah, but... you can imagine if you're, you have to sit in a taxi for eight hours a day, taxiing or ferrying drunk people back and forth between their pub and their house, uh, and you've been asked, have you been busy? What time are you on till for the hundredth time that day? You have every right to fling that person over their ta- out of your taxi and reverse over them. But mm. if you're a Twitch streamer, who's being politely asked, how how are you? How's your day? Why are you getting annoyed at that? It's an awful, it's a strange argument to want to have. Yeah, I can see it as, the, um, from the same point of view of, like, 
I still consider online entertainment, including Twitch streaming, to be a viable job. I put it in the same category as, say, driving a taxi. It deserves the same kind of response and it should still get the same kind of, if you're in it for the hundredth time, you get really mad. But at the same time, remember, you're experiencing it for the hundredth time. That person who just joined your Twitch stream, Twitch doesn't show you the entire back catalogue of the chat when you join a Twitch stream. You just jump in and it's a blank screen. They have no idea that you've been asked, how are you doing for the hundredth time that day? For them, it's a nice, easy icebreaker. Just take it as, as the nice, easy icebreaker that it is and move on with your life. I don't it's see... Just take it as manners. Yeah, it's yeah, it's basic manners and a way to start a conversation, which is a major benefit of Twitch. That is part of why people go there. Even people who have big YouTube careers or big careers on other platforms are on Twitch because it is a live interactive chat that you can have a conversation with. You can interact with your fans that you've built up another platform on Twitch. That's the selling point of the platform to the viewers. Yeah, I don't see it, why... It seems you... like someone's just going out of their way to try and cut out that inter- that interactivity. It sounds to me that this person only wanted the crowd to jump in and say, oh, you're really playing this game well, or you're such a cool person. You just wanted the compliments? That seems a bit needy to me. Mm. I mean, of course, that's not actually what it said. They didn't read the, the whole comment section, but it did seem it did seem a bit strange. Yeah, and if all else failed, I mean, to go back to the, the cab driver analogy, if, say, you, ju- you get in the back of the taxi and you say, hi, how was your day? And the guy just ignores you and starts driving, you're like, okay, that's a bit rude. Um, but if you're in a live Twitch stream and you receive that question of, hey, how was your day? You can kind of ignore it and there's no consequences for that you can ignore it and dance around it or answer someone else's question and like just kind of pretend you didn't see it. it's not great and i wouldn't recommend it for every single one that have like every single time someone comes in but you don't have to acknowledge every single hi how are you yeah absolutely yeah there's, there's ways around that i think this is maybe we're talking about this to say as you said uh off uh off stream or off uh, broadcast and that was just saying that there seems to be like a weird ego point for some people like you get the brand new people who are just happy to see new people come in the chat and are like ecstatic to see people show up and then you get like the veteran guys who don't give a shit who are streaming for like 200 people uh consistently every day like for hours uh hours every single day and those people don't give a shit but then there's this weird point where you start to get a bit of like momentum and uh like motivation yeah, behind but, you. Uh, notice. and the ego just pops and I think that's yeah. where that pair. I don't know who that. I don't actually know who that streamer was, but I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that's where they're at in their career right now. Yeah, and I think that that marks a very important point in somebody's Twitch career. If they're getting say, hundred to two hundred and fifty stream uh, viewers to the stream consistently, and they're starting getting they're starting to get to the point where they're making long tweets about someone saying hello to them, I think they need to consider a new career because there are some people that get you know, quadruple that number and they're still humble as fuck. Yeah. And uh, although I will say, if you ever see those Twitch streams where there's like over a thousand people in the chat, it is just a fucking riot. I leave immediately. I'm like, this is going to be useless. Because I quite enjoy being in the Twitch community. I think it's uh, it's interesting. If you're in the right community and you find the right people to talk about games with, you can have an interesting conversation or if there's people, like there's interesting funny jokes going on in the chat, you can jump in and it's quite an accepting place. Um, if you're just jumping in and have a quick bit of banter but at the same time you can like 
just if you just see it going at like a rapid pace there's nothing there there's nothing in the same way we're talking about like that's what twitch is there for it's there for online personalities to spend periods of time with their fan base if there's no way that your message is going to be read you kind of don't hang around anymore if that makes sense yeah, I suppose to an extent, but then again, I've never been that kind of person. If I, I usually jump into chat and say, hey, how's it going, guys? If I don't get my message ready, it's kind of go, okay, cool, I'm going to sit and watch the stream. <laughs> I don't really go for that interactivity. Yeah. That's because you're a grown-up, then I, That's uh, <laughs> Yeah. That, that's because I don't like people. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fine with being ignored. It's great. The <laughs> yeah. We're actually in... Uh... Melding into the background, like... Uh, part of the wallpaper that's fine with me yeah i i actually because we have the the lockdown uh is back basically for stage two um it started yeah. what earlier this week was it monday i don't know time all kind of melts together yeah, uh, tuesday is when it kicked in because they brought in the the rule of six nationwide which was uh, six people from two households that's all you can have then on tuesday it was no sorry the week before that it was six people from two households. Then it kicked in this Tuesday because Nicola Sturgeon, who always takes what the people did before her and just goes a step beyond it, she went, okay, no one's coming to your house. You will isolate yourselves. Although, you can go to the pub if you really want to meet them. Yeah, that uh, still pisses me off. The more I think about it, the more I get really, really angry about the fact that gyms have remained closed up until like two weeks ago. But pubs mm-hmm. have been open for months at this point. But yeah, I, I can't get over the fact that we've had pubs open for weeks. And we've been talking about this at work. And it's just really frustrating to think of. Like, we've all been in the pub after, like, ten too many. And you know how sloppy you get. You, all, you get kind of, like, weird and like everybody kind of hunches over each other. And it's all very close and it's very intimate. It's very good uh, when there's not, a, you know, a pandemic going on. But at the same time, right now, we are in pandemic states you know we're dealing with a respiratory virus that is infecting millions of people and it's hmm. baffling that we would allow a place where people you know alcohol is there to lose your inhibitions why would you want to lose your inhibitions at a time like this around a room full of people you don't know and frankly can't trust to not have a virus i just i don't understand the logic of having that whereas uh, actually i repaid my gym memberships as of the 21st and I'm now working out in two gyms and I have zero fear of catching the virus there. I was in uh, this morning at the, the Excite gym, which is run by the, the council, and they have giant plastic screens between each piece of equipment to prevent you from accidentally breathing on someone else. It's quite well managed. There is a half hour clean down for uh, each, uh, in between each hour long session. And then when I went to the rugby gym later on this afternoon, there was no one there. I was the only one in the gym, uh, so I got all the equipment to myself. So I licked all of it naturally. It's just like I licked all of it and coughed on it. Yeah. He's done a couple of things. <laughs> so now that I'm the only person that can get into that gym. Well, I have a I have a flat viewing. Uh, maybe in a week's time, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But uh, I was joking. Like, is it acceptable to show up with like a hazmat suit? Uh, to the <laughs> to someone else's house and be like, hi, I'm here to view your flat. Um, I think the response I got was, just cough on your hand, everyone else will leave. <laughs> <laughs> you can really see the place by yourself then. It'll be fine. Uh, it, the whole going back into lockdown thing has actually fucking terrified me because I, I go to university in Edinburgh and there's been a whole uh, student accommodation 
that has been banned from coming going into uni. So really? that's a yeah, I think it's called Bainfield. That's the name of the building. There's about two to three hundred people in that building. Well, there's uh... when it's when it's full, and they've just been told no one is allowed to leave this building for three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. See, there's one in Glasgow that is currently under uh, lockdown for two weeks, and that's six hundred yep. people. Um, which, by the way, there are some pregnancies coming at that fucking building. <laughs> yeah. There. I don't know if you've noticed as well. There's been a number of uh, like surprise pregnancies. Like it was a bit earlier than we expected, but we we're gonna have kids anyway. So <laughs> I guess we're having kids now. There's been a few of those yeah. uh, since lockdown, which was basically inevitable. But the one in Glasgow, yeah. there's 600 people affected. There was one in Dundee and one in Aberdeen, but Aberdeen has kind of been a shit show since the lockdown started. Uh, they had yeah. f- their football team was out uh, on the piss during the first weeks of pubs being open during lockdown, and the the first minister got involved. Sturgeon went in and said, are you kidding me? I guarantee you there's an email from her to the company, like the Aberdeen president, saying, get your guys in fucking order, or I'm coming up there myself. Yeah. <laughs> the provost? I can imagine the provost of Aberdeen getting a very angry email for Big Sturgeon. Yeah. yeah, the whole Aberdeen thing was fucking weird. I think they should just put a big bubble over Aberdeen. Just what? left it at that. Interesting enough, that's kind of what's happening now. You're seeing, uh, although like nationwide lockdowns take a while to like implement, and we're not there yet. Uh, we did notice that like there's been a creeping uh, like lockdown of small areas heading up the northeast to the point where we're, I'm actually expecting it to hit Scotland in the next week or two. Hmm. The problem is I that like, cases for this virus take so long to diagnose, like it takes a while for it to show up, and then you have to go and recognise the symptoms, get the test, and then you find out if you're positive or not. Are you using the uh, the Track and Trace app the NHS is using? Uh, I've had to use it a couple of times because I've had to go up to Falkirk to get uh, new glasses because, well, the other ones were basically just window panes at this point. I could see nothing through them. Mm. Uh, so I had to go up and get a new pair of glasses. And while I was up there, I thought, you know what? I'll go and get something to eat. And the minute you walk into the door, you have to you have to uh, scan this little track and trace thing on the door. But I don't think I have a specific track and trace app. I don't think I've downloaded it yet. Although I think you're, in the future you're going to need it. Yeah, I I grabbed mine just because uh, my work is starting to look at it and say. Look, I also really didn't to... know that there was a specific app that we had to download. There, uh, yeah, there's the NHS Scotland has developed one, and there's one for NHS England, and they're working on making the two communicate just in case. Uh, but yeah, the NHS Scotland one uses Bluetooth and it basically pings other phones nearby to see who you've been in touch with or you've been in close contact with. So uh, you basically end up having to have Bluetooth on the entire time. So it can tell who's whose phone you've been in contact with and then it can tell who that is. And then they contact everyone who's been in contact with those phones. So it's uh, it's a bit tricky, but it's easy to set up on my phone i had it done in like two minutes and it doesn't ask yep. for that many i'm assuming it's taking personal details from you uh from the phone but uh other than that i hadn't had to put in anything too too worrying i think i just to put in my, my postcode and that was it yeah and if it helps kind of if it helps curtail the spread of the virus or control the spread of the virus just do it yeah fuck Can't- your <laughs> Fuck your freedoms, just download the damn app. <laughs> That's what's getting really on my nerves right now is watching America go through this. It is unfucking bearable to listen to Americans cry on about their freedoms 
without realizing that if you don't, we just need everyone to play ball for like a couple months while the while everything gets sorted. If we get everyone on board, we all just kind of listen to what we're being told to do for a couple months and behave like adults about this. We can have everything under relative control. It might take a while for a vaccine, but even then we can handle it in small stages rather than a global pandemic. And listening to Americans go, but my freedoms, and then fucking up for their entire continent is unfucking real. I'm I'm amazed at what uh, has been allowed to go on in America. The fact that there are still political rallies going on uh, in America right now where they're saying, don't wear a mask if you don't want to, it doesn't matter anyway. The virus is a hoax, and you're like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> there are yeah, like two hundred one thousand Americans dead, and you think it's a fucking hoax? Yep, there are just the the number of people uh, that are just not willing to listen to basically the grown ups in the room is just unreal to me. I just, I I I think I just can't understand. It. I legitimately can't get my head around what's uh, what's going on with America and this virus it just doesn't make sense to me but I don't know if that's just me and I think I think you're amongst the majority there when people especially in from the comfort of Scotland we just kind of look at the people in America who refuse to listen to you know people with PhDs and people who have done thesis on you know virology and uh, is it virology I think it's just made up a word there no but, virology uh, <laughs> is a study of viruses yeah you're correct yeah cool yeah I did it right woo uh, Good guess. People have done, yeah, I, I totally meant it. I'm a smart guy. Uh, people have done, you know, studies on this shit, and you still think, nah, your credibility, your uh, credentials are bought and paid for. You're just a, an arm of the man, man. <laughs> no, he's just trying to keep you from dying from a horrible disease. I've been enjoying uh, the Bill Burr podcast because uh, it's football season's back, the NFL's back, and uh, it's fun to have him ranting and raving again. And I, uh, I just he's in the same boat as us where it's like you really think that this is all a conspiracy can you actually admit to the idea that you think the entire world is all on the same like scheme to get you somehow by pretending there's a virus do you know how much effort that would take to coordinate (laughs) that's a herculean effort do you think in a few years time there's going to be a parody documentaries done in the same style as that documentary that was about flat earth where every step this guy took to try and prove prove that the earth was flat beyond the curve yeah bullshit yeah Uh, beyond the curve do you think there's going to be a coronavirus version of one of those i think someone is already working on it just gathering as much data as we can as much live interviews and recordings there's there must be one i think we're obviously conspiracy theory documentaries are uh, fantastic content so i think someone is making one right now and oh, yeah. i just wonder who they who they talk to i'd love to see just interviews with just people who are complete deniers and try and find out what is going on why they think the way they do i'd be very fascinated to hear that side of the argument from uh, someone i just someone i just can't understand really i look forward to seeing this exact scene when you've got an interviewer sitting you know socially distanced with all the plexiglass and shit between them. It says, and here on my left we have a uh, Dr. John Smith, who is a who is a doctor, as a professor of virology at a, a, an American university. He's very highly decorated in the field. And to my right we have sho- uh, shoeless and toothless Jim, who <laughs> believes that the virus is fake because the aliens took his brother. We're going to have a debate between these two. 
And due to the interests of uh, keeping things politically neutral, I have to give them all equal time. So, Jim, let's start with you. <laughs> you have Hold on, five he's just minutes. getting his teeth out of his pocket. He will be with you momentarily. <laughs> I, uh, I, first of all, if we're interviewing anyone about the virus uh, from that side of the aisle, it must be someone called Karen. It needs to be a thing. We need to get the yeah. Karen enshrined in history as a representative of the Anti-Mask Brigade. I, I can't think of anyone else more suited to the role than some random woman named Karen. Yeah, because you, know you know there's some out there. I, I've encountered a Manazda, uh, a woman who, uh, for those who don't know, or not in the UK, Asda is uh, what people in the UK call Walmart. Uh, just wandering through there, getting my usual shit, you know, bottles of water, juice, things for the apocalypse. Uh, and I was sitting there, I had my mask on, and every so often just take my glasses on and off because it keeps fogging up. And some woman just walks past me going, hey, look at all these mugs with their fucking masks on. Virus isn't even fucking real. <laughs> like, oh, so good. <laughs> and I just thought, you, who was... The conversation continued. She was bragging about how she got a gyro through, and a gyro is your unemployment uh, benefit. And it was more than she expected. Okay, so you're bragging about your gyro, but the virus is fake, so you've clearly got your priorities well established. Well, in that case, I guess it does make sense. Like, if the whole thing's a fake, the whole thing's a hoax, it's all just part of government control, but you can somehow... She got some hush money, is what you're saying. But you can milk the government for money at the same time. Why not brag about it? Like, yeah, everyone's getting fooled, but me. Also, the idiots trying to fool the other idiots are paying me. I reckon that's got to be some top 10 conspiracy points. Like She's she, truly the enlightened one. She is the Chad of the... <laughs> She's the Chad Karen of the Conspiracy Theory Facebook group that she's on with the real mums of Scotland. That is... <laughs> Aye. I guarantee she's on a website called uh, Grangemouth Mums Matter. <laughs> oh, that's fucking brutal. <laughs> oh, I actually, uh, when it comes to masks, I'm just going to give... Oh, shit. That, I didn't even mean that as a Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there it is <laughs> the shoe just dropped and he was like oh fuck <laughs> I swear I did not mean that as a black lives matter joke fuck I, uh, I, I I just wanted to give people a pro tip I have uh, ditched the mask in favour of uh, like neck warmer slash uh, balaclava things kind of like uh, do you remember snoods were a thing for like five minutes because uh, athletes were uh, yeah I, I, I worked in a food production factory and I had to wear one of them to cover my beard. I'm wearing those now for the virus and uh, it is basically bulletproof. I honestly, I've been trying, like, I've been working out in them as well. So they're definitely breathable, but at the same time, I cannot force air out of it. I'm kind of impressed. I'm not entirely sure how they've managed that, but it's uh, double-lined. So it's def it works fine and uh, I can walk around all day in it. I'm doing it at the lab, doing it at the gym, and like, I'm able to put out like a full workout with the uh, with the the snood on, so it's uh, it's good. I, I'd recommend it if you're finding that like the masks are fucking up your ears because I found that mine were getting. I'd, I I have a big head, so when I bought a normal size mask, it hurt, uh, and I couldn't find any way to properly gauge the size of masks on Amazon, so I just said fuck it and bought a balaclava. It, the only problem I've been having with the mask is that uh, my beard's been growing out a bit, so I get a noticeable divot <laughs> where my beard grows down, and the mask is dug in. Uh, and of course, there's the glasses thing, but my remedy to that is just wear contact lenses. I know you're not meant to, but I'd rather, you know, risk the virus somehow getting to my eyes so I can see. 
Yeah, the, the entrance to the eyes is a pinprick hole uh, that is just basically like a tear duct. It's, it's very low risk, but if someone was to cough on your face, I'd uh, be a bit suspicious. I mean, if someone's coughing on your face right now, I feel like you should have free reign to just deck them, but... Yeah, if someone was to cough on my face, I guarantee it would be on a bus somewhere, and at that point I should be allowed to throw them off the top deck of the bus. Well, it's still in motion. Yeah, then again, Edinburgh buses don't move that fast. <laughs> and there's a pretty good chance they hit another bus standing right next yeah. to you. They go in out of the bus window and into the other bus window, so I've just put them on another bus going in the opposite direction. I've caused them pain and a slight delay on their journey. That's <laughs> you've two got, victories to me. You've caused them pain and a mild inconvenience. That, sir, is how you win an argument. That's <laughs> yep. a suitable reprimand for coughing on someone. Yeah, potentially giving me a horrible respiratory disease. I've then fucked up your day. <laughs> I've mildly inconvenienced you. You may have just killed me, sir, but I have mildly inconvenienced yeah. you. You may have just killed me and, you know, my family and people that live around me that I associate know, with slightly care for <laughs> and, and associate with. But yeah, you're on a you're going the wrong way, so I win. <laughs> that and I have my morals in check. I I, just, <laughs> I have the moral high ground. Speaking of the moral high ground, I, I realized that I have a list of uh like I I had uh, a week off and I went to watch some movies. And as a result of that, I watched uh, 14 or 15 movies in six days. Uh, I basically oh, went fucking mental because this was uh, pre the gym's openings. I had literally nothing to do other than just kind of do weights at home and then uh, watch movies. And I watched some good movies. Uh, I'd highly recommend The Social Network. I know people don't like Jesse Eisenberg and uh, don't really give a shit about Facebook anymore. It's a good movie. Um, would recommend uh, we watched The Room with my brothers and I watched The Disaster Artist and that's good um, and I watched uh, The Interview as well because it's that same uh, Seth Rogen James Franco combo and again it's a good movie um, Yeah. as a Lord of the Rings fan I highly appreciate the control room scene which is just like a one for one remake of uh, the Mount Doom scene from the Lord of the Rings Return of the King Yeah. I found that fucking hilarious as well as the, the biting fingers joke holy shit that was holy. I don't know what it was but at a certain point like you know, oh, they're not going to do the same joke again. Oh, they did it again, and a third time, and maybe a fourth time. <laughs> but the interview is the reason why I can't, if I hear a, what the fuck's the name of the song? The Katy Perry song? Uh, Firework. Firework. Yeah. yeah, if I hear that song, I burst into hysterics. That I fucking start pissing myself laughing. That scene of Kim Jong-un trying not to cry at Katy Perry's Firework might be the funniest fucking thing on television. I've never seen <laughs> <laughs> it's you just go straight back to seeing a man you know is a savage brutal despot uh who is just trying his hardest not to show a reaction to katie perry's firework as dave franco like speaks things at him just one word at a time just trying to get him to crack and you can just see it building and building and building <laughs> until kim jong-un just jumps up and starts screaming baby you're a firework i fucking love that scene so much I uh I, I was laughing at that film actually a lot because the uh like James Franco's character is like a very good version of that late night talk show host and then having other late night talk show hosts from the real world shit on him in the movie like Bill Maher yeah. uh Craig Ferguson I think shows up for a little bit and uh, just having them them step in kind of realizes it and like the they have the actual news anchors from like CNN and stuff like that it kind of 
was very funny to see it grounded just a little it's ridiculous comedy gets grounded just yeah. a little bit with their presence um but uh, which is a very weird sentence to say say that this weird comedy about people going into pyongyang to try and interview kim jong-il and kill him <laughs> is grounded in any sense I, I i there's just that little bit i think that that helps i think that like the fact that it's, it could possibly, like, it's an alternative reality that's so similar to yours makes everything that happens afterwards seem so much more ridiculous and therefore funny. I think that helps in the comedy. I don't know what it is. Um, but, yeah, I watched a bunch of that. Um, I also watched, uh, just because I was on a James Franco kick, I watched uh, Spring Breakers, which is four uh, girls from, like, the middle of nowhere go down to Florida for, like, spring break, and it's mm-hmm. all about them basically falling apart as human beings. Um and some of it, like, I don't, I still don't know if that movie's good or not. I'm, like, playing it back over my head. Uh, but that has, unfortunately, left me with Britney Spears' uh, Every Time stuck in my head for, like, a week. And I know just I saying... I don't know that song, and I, I don't think I want to. Don't, 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 dumb. Save yourself. Save yourself. But it's, okay. it's part of a scene where uh, James Franco's character, who is a rapper slash gangster, is uh, singing this, singing a Britney Spears song while playing the piano while the three remaining girls uh, all dance around in balaclavas holding shotguns. It's kind of it's kind of beautiful in a way, but in a very trashy way, you know? It's very... It's beautiful in that white trash way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, white trash beautiful is definitely the way I'd, I'd put that movie, but it's kind of repetitive and annoying the fuck out of me for long periods of time. But some of it also looks really good, so kind of can't decide if I love the movie or not. And I, I'm going to say no in the long run, but I, it has its moments that are quite good. Um, and then there was Cuties. Are you aware of this movie? I was not until you told me about it, and I wish I could go back to when you, <laughs> when I didn't know about it, because I, I didn't look it up because I don't want a CID kicking down my door. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the CID are essentially criminal investigators. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I I don't blame you for this, but I do feel like I want to express myself at least once on this topic that I think QE's is a pile of trash and it is not worth the controversy. It was a film by a French uh, Senegalese director. So it's someone from Africa who emigrated to France and decided to tell a story of someone from uh, Africa moving into France and trying to adapt to the culture. And in there, you could make a good movie that would tell a very honest and very important story about immigration and what it's like to come to Europe and trying to adapt to our culture and our way of thinking from a very orthodox Christian background. And that would be an interesting movie. The problem is that Cuties is a pile of trash about 11-year-old girls twerking. So, I I mean, I see where you were trying to go with that because it is probably the most uh, provocative and extreme version of uh european culture or like americanized european culture at the moment is the fascination of like sexualized dancing and you know ass shaking and stuff but at the same time there's like a bunch of places where this film really really fails i don't know um i think the the first hurdle that it failed to overcome was the subject matter (laughs) you're trying to make a movie about the over sexualization of children that's not a subject that you should want to make a movie about here's the thing I think if they made something that was a truly dark, gritty, and uh, faithful adaptation of a, a real life story uh, of someone who tried to adapt, tried to became 
overly sexualized by exposure to Western culture and then suffered the consequences of that, you could make a movie that is worth protecting, in a sense. A movie that we would have to have an uncomfortable debate around because although it would be garish and un, uh, uncouth to watch, like it would be very taboo to see this film because it would be so uh, brutal and honest that it would make people uncomfortable. That like if we made that film but it was also really good and had a very poignant message and really got its point across um i think we would have to have a big discussion about whether, whether or not that type of thing is acceptable whereas this movie is just too tame um it has a rating of i think it's 15 i think it might be 15 or it might be 12 trying to remember the point is the girls in the video or the girls in the movie can't see the movie which is kind of fucked up when you think about it so yeah <laughs> it, they they show the girls who are again 11 years old and if reports are to be believed 600 girls were asked to audition for this film i don't know what the audition process was but remember this is a film about little girls twerking that's fucked up that there were 600 girls auditioning for those roles there are 600 sets of parents who need to be shot frankly just going to put yeah. that one out there. This was filmed where, did you say? France. Um, yeah, the equivalent of social services or child protective services in France should, you know, go knock on some doors. Yeah. Check some hard drives. Maybe just accidentally blow up some buildings. Who cares? Um, but they have... Some people need to be arrested. That's that's the main thing. Yeah. The movie actually does, it does show little girls dancing in an over-sexualized manner. My problem is there's no consequences for any of their actions. There are some scenes where it looks like they might be about to set up that type of thing. Um, in one scene, one of the girls finds a used condom and decides to play with it like a balloon because she's a child and doesn't understand what a condom is. That almost had consequences because the girls in the group who understand what it is yell at her and say, you just touched a condom, you can't touch a condom, you might get AIDS. And I was wondering, oh my god, will this movie actually have the balls to give a child AIDS? Didn't have the balls to give a child AIDS. I'll spell it for you. You're probably not going to watch this film. Probably because I'm going to recommend Definitely no one watches watch this fucking film. Uh, but there are no... like That never gets brought up again. There's no consequences. The only thing that happens to the main girl is that she is uh, yelled at by her aunt and mother who uh, tried to rebaptize her in a Christian ceremony and who send her into some kind of weird fever thing which also looks like twerking as well which is kind of really fucked up when you think about it um the the main girl Amy uh, I think that's her name it's a weird pronunciation I, I think it might be Amy or maybe Amy um she pushes another girl in the group into the into like a, a canal to stop her from performing so she can steal her place in the final performance that girl I was like, okay, are they going to have her kill the other little girl by drowning her? I was like, okay, this might get interesting. Let's have the consequences of that. Nothing happens there. We see the other girl swim to a buoy, so we know that she's safe, or we can assume that she's safe, before uh, Amy runs off to join the dance troupe. She then stops midway through the performance and starts crying because she's an 11-year-old girl twerking. So, okay, are we going anywhere with that? Uh, Amy runs home in her performance outfit, which is the one you see on the poster uh, for Netflix. Uh, there was some 
drama about the actual advertising for this uh, movie in general because the French uh, poster for this film, which I think was called Mignomes, um in French, which I think also is a translation of cuties or uh, cute little ones or like children, um, that's uh, that was just the four girls running across a bridge, which, okay, um, it's a very obvious metaphor for what you're going for there, with the general tone of this movie being the transfer of uh, youth into adulthood. And then the Netflix poster for this was them standing in their final competition outfits, which are basically half-naked, which is also very fucked up, because, again, this film is about 11-year-olds. I cannot stress that enough. There's just some films that don't need to be made. Uh, Taking three various (laughs) other horror sequels and whatever the fuck this film is. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, there, there are no consequences of this film, and... I think if they'd made an effort to show consequences for the actions of any of the characters, I'd have given it a bit more leeway, but no one ever really suffers anything other than a bit of admonishment from a parent figure, which is frankly good parenting. Um, I know that the the aunt and the mother uh, slap the child occasionally because she's acting out, but most of the, uh, the consequences of the actions for the children are just disagreements within the, the group of children because all the children in this movie are shitheads. There's nothing really happens yeah. because of their sexualized dancing that would explain the need to have the sexualized dancing in the film. You could have anything else. You could have football. You could have cricket. You'd have like a, a sport, a another club, another hobby, another passion. It doesn't need to be about twerking little girls, but they made this about twerking little girls. And I can't help but feel that that's a very, just a horrific misjudgment on Netflix's part to make this movie or to promote this movie, which is honestly one of, when I said like earlier on, I said if they made a film that was much more uh, dark and gritty and realistic and showed consequences, it would be important because it would make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, Cuties just makes you feel uncomfortable for having watched it. And there's no resolution either, really. Um, Again, I will spoil this because you're not going to watch it, but... At the end of the film, after the dance competition, she goes home to her parents still crying, or goes home to her mother and her aunt still crying, and says, or they, they say, we're going to your father's wedding to his new wife, you can come and join us, and they offer her a traditional Senegalese dress, or you can go out with your friends and do whatever horror dance you were doing. And obviously that's the decision, that's the turning point, that's where our character will make the final move and... Uh, show the decision they've made instead of doing either of that she gets in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and goes downstairs to play jump rope for the last shot of the movie with other kids from the wedding and I'm like this entire film has been pitched around the idea of traditionalism versus uh, modern liberal progressivism and then you end it by saying that kids have to find their own way you haven't made an artistic statement. I'm sorry. This film is a waste of time. And if anyone appears in any registers because of this, frankly, it's just desserts. Didn't this film win awards at some wanky music festival, not music festival, film festival? Uh, Sundance yes, or something? They probably similarly kind of shit to give an award for that. Yeah, this was the one that gets me the most, is that the Sundance Festival gave this film Best Director, or Best Director of a Foreign Language Film Award which means that someone decided to point a camera at a little girl's ass, very close-up shot with nothing but the ass in frame, 
and then a group of people sat around and decided that that person was worthy of a commendation. What the fuck? How has no one slapped the shit out of anyone involved in this film? It frankly deserved yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely urge anyone out there to give that this film a fucking miss. Maybe just downvote it so it disappears completely. And if you like this film, I think you need to go and see the therapist. Seek help. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, it's. It, it's, it's. I'm not going to lie. It's a disgusting subject, and part of me wants to. I don't want to shut you up, Colin, but part of me just wants to move on. No, I don't want to talk about this. Um, and if you if you cancel your Netflix subscription because I don't blame you, uh, you yeah. may have actually cost the company upwards of a couple billion dollars. So, actually, kind of well played on that one. I'm not normally for like mass unsubscribing or boycotts, but that was pretty fucking amazing to see that happen. I mean, how many how many active Netflix accounts can there be? Everyone just shares passwords anyway. But if you look at the active <laughs> numbers, there's just 17 active accounts. Well, now it's down to 10. And the passwords just get shared. Explains why the price keeps going up. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Um, if we're going to talk about a good movie, though, just to kind of lighten the mood, I heartily recommend Demolition Man. It's up on Netflix. What, the Sylvester Stallone film? Yes. It's up on Netflix. Oh, and it holds up yeah. really, really well. Uh, Wesley Snipes, uh, Sylvester Stallone, and Sandra Bullock just kind of hanging around in the background being an idiot. Uh, it holds up yeah. really well for a movie made in 1980-something. 1990, I think. No way. I think so. Hmm. I will quickly type that. Yeah. Demolition. Because yeah, I remember uh, my older brother... 1993. ...bringing home... Yeah. I remember my older brother bringing home the, v- the VHS and me watching it when I wasn't meant to, but yeah, it's kind of... It holds up a bit too well, I'd say. Like yeah. it's almost like someone had a time machine and saw what America is going to be like. Yeah, and so to make I forgot that Stone can be funny. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, like he's he's not just the guy from the Expendables and Rocky films. I mean, I guess in the Expendables there's a bit of comedy in there, but um, I think the comedy comes from just how absurd those movies are. But actually watching him like shit talk a computer and then be fine for it one go at a time, you know, it's actually yeah. really he's pretty good. I'll give him credit for that. Although for the life of me, every time I watch that film, I always try and figure out what the fuck the three seashells do. I can never figure <laughs> it out. I think if they explained that, I think if they remade it, they would explain that joke and it would ruin the fucking movie. Yeah, I don't think they would remake it. Maybe a sequel. Nah, but I think... Uh, I, think I don't think that's they'd a... figure out what the three seashells I, I think that's on the chopping block. I think that's on the list of things to be uh, remade at some point by a director who says he loves it but actually doesn't give a shit. Yeah, kind of oh. like the shot for shot remake of Psycho, starring Vince Vaughn. Yeah, the ah. guy said I absolutely love this film. After watching the remake, he did not love that. Maybe he, he was hate fucking it, but he didn't love it. I can't I can't believe someone actually went and remade a, an Alfred Hitchcock movie and <laughs> fucking botched it. I mean, I guess. Shot on it. Um. Oh, actually, speaking of horrific remakes that are going to happen. Remember Once Upon a Time, someone remade Death Note uh, as a Netflix movie? Uh, maybe. Someone Did adapted they? the classic anime into a 90-minute movie, uh, which was universally panned. It was horrific. Um, but the same guy who directed that, I think his name is like Adam Wingard, is going to remake one of my favourite Korean horror movies uh, called I Saw the Devil. I cannot fucking wait to see how he butchers this. It is going to be horrific because I Saw the Devil is a fantastic um, kind of horror movie about a 
a cop who's gone completely insane because his wife is killed by a serial killer. So he hunts him down and tortures the serial killer by, like, chasing him down alleyways and, like, hurting him and knocking him out and then leaving him mm. basically half dead. Letting him, like, the cop then walks away, lets the guy get, like, healed up and patched up and stuff. And once he gets back out of the hospital, he just starts hunting him down again. And it's an amazing horror movie that I, I, I fell in love with and it actually was my introduction to Korean cinema. And mm. it has been... In my like, it's always sitting in the back of my head somewhere, and I just I I cannot wait for the guy who fucked up Death Note to try and touch that. It is going to be an absolute I, brutal slaughter. I genuinely can't even remember there being a live action remake because I know those are live action Japanese movies, but I don't, I don't remember there being a live action Netflix movie for Death Note. Not that I would have watched it anyway because it's eh. it's still on there. Um, it features. Uh, Chris from Everybody Hates Chris as um, L, which was interesting. Like, he was a good performance, I'll give him that. Um, but other than that, the entire film is just wrong. Like If you've seen the anime or if you read the manga, it, you're going to watch every scene of this and go, that's not how that would happen. <laughs> None of this is okay. I would actually recommend not watching it and just watching uh, like YouTubers review it because Death Note is such a like an, a good entry anime for so many people because it's a nice self-contained story. You can get all of it right. in 25 episodes and it's it's not all about like screaming uh power hungry aliens and like laser beams and stuff like that. It's quite an easy it's intro. Not, it's anime. not like any of those good anime stories. Yeah. But it, it, it in itself is a good anime story. Um so it's it's, it's a good like most people have an experience of it and high uh, praise of it and then all of a sudden somebody comes along and completely fucking butchers it. If you ask any random nerd uh, at a convention what they thought of the Netflix uh, Death Note movie, you'll probably get stabbed. <laughs> probably just, uh, was it that bad? Yeah. Just straight up stab you? Yes. And again, I don't like the original Death Note, so I might actually like this an this uh, live-action version. That is now interesting to me, because I genuinely, like, it's a bad movie on a fundamental mm. level. I wonder what the opinion of someone who didn't like Death Note is. Could I convince you to watch that somehow? Uh, no, I don't think you could. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always interested in that because I want to see people who have no ex prior experience of a certain media or a certain thing seeing it. Not for the, the reason first time. why I didn't like Death Note is because I watched it from beginning to end, <laughs> and uh, the how the how it ends is complete and utter shite. The fact <laughs> that it ends five episodes after it should, or it ends aye, five episodes after it should have ended. Uh, the fact that Light is a unlikable prick, uh, the fact that L is said to be the smartest human being in existence, gets beaten by Light for plot reasons, mm. and then Light somehow trusts a lawyer with uh, the the Death Note again because uh, uh, Mikami is meant to be this hyper intelligent dude who just goes insane and starts killing people left, right, and center. There's so many just departures of intelligence throughout this incredibly intelligent in air quotations anime I, I couldn't do it I, I didn't like it it's not that he goes insane it's that he feels a sense of uh, like a sense of justice like he, he feels the need to enforce his will upon the planet and make it as he desires it's, are you trying uh, to tell me the scene where Mikimi is sitting in his office chanting the word delete to himself over and over again as he scribbles in the death note isn't him going insane <laughs> Uh no, it's 
It might be. <laughs> I think it's him being power hungry. I don't think it's him being insane. I think he, he realizes what he can do and I think it gets to his head for a little bit. But once he actually starts to calm down after the initial kind of outburst of killings and starts to plan and has to work his way around um, L and his plan, I think it gets quite interesting again. I can see there's a part where it does get a bit fucking... Like, it's anime. It's nonsensical. It kind of has to be in a way. But I'd say that the actual majority of it it does seem to like it follows its world rules it doesn't follow our world rules couldn't fucking do that mm. possibly but i think that if you find uh like if you if you're willing to just accept the world of death note as it is you find that like it's quite consistent with its own rules if that makes sense yeah and it's not that i i don't like a, a series where the bad guy or the the main character is a bad guy i i kind of go for that in some instances but it's just when the bad the bad guy protagonist main character is so unlikable that it takes you out of it. Not that Light was intelligent, because Light comes across as kind of a dumbass at some point. <laughs> uh, like this book that you've been studying for years, you're somehow fooled by a fake. Uh, yeah, he comes across as so inherently unlikable because of his smugness, because of his superiority. That you just think, you know what? Fuck you. I hope you get gunned down by several people that you used to work with. Yeah, his uh, superiority complex does kind of... like I think everyone in that is a, a top-level ego as well as a top-level brain. Yeah. Then again, it kind of comes with the whole... If you're hyper-intelligent, you're kind of also arrogant as well. Yeah, I think TV shows just kind of demand that of uh, characters. There's nobody who's... I think it's the thing of like a, a highly intelligent person who is also kind of devoid of ego won't do anything that's that interesting... Mm-hmm. whereas if you want a tv show character who is highly intelligent to be interesting they have to have the ego i think that's the only way people know how to write yeah. a highly intelligent character it would also be quite weird if you got this highly intelligent incredibly likable character because there's always a certain smugness that comes with thinking you know better than everybody that's it. there's the old adage that you never argue unless you know that you're right and if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who is quite intelligent they think they're always right so they're always willing to argue that point and that brings a, brings forth a certain arrogance if you write that the opposite way where the guy just goes you know what or the the, the incredibly smart main character just because you know what i admit it, i was wrong that's that's weird it throws you off a little bit if it's done well it's done well yeah i think that would but be... otherwise it is it throws people off and it puts a barrier yeah that type of thing that I type think. of admission of their own guilt tends to be used as a, a character uh, like it's to show character growth like he would never yeah. have admitted this in season one but season two he actually says you know what my bad i fucked this up and yeah. because that is a moment of character growth for people with these big egos hmm. yeah and it's a very good actual point that you would you would only ever argue if you're right and that entire show is just people saying i'm right no i'm right no i'm more right no fuck you i'm more right and I'm more smarter than you. I've already outsmarted you outsmarting. Yeah, I'm smarter than you. But my smarter is smarter than you're smarter. It's <laughs> like uh, there's an anime that my brother watches, and still watches to this day, because it's only, episodes itself are only about 10 minutes long. Uh-huh. Uh, I think, what the hell's the name of it? It's uh, Infernal Cop by Studio Trigger. So right, the, the yeah. animation quality is pretty damn good. Uh, the character in it, Infernal Cop, is bulletproof, and he fights a bulletproof enemy. So he shoots a bullet at this uh, enemy. I think it's a giant demon crab thing. 
and the demon crab just goes, ah, you can't defeat me, Infernal Cop. I am bulletproof. Then the bullet comes speeding towards Infernal Cop. Mm-hmm. And he says, I am also bulletproof. And my bulletproof is stronger than your bulletproof. <laughs> and it bounces off him and it just blows up the crab. <laughs> it's I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, watch it's that. by Studio Trigger. I'll check it out. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's great. And like I said, the episodes aren't too long. I always get it confused with Axe Cop, which is something that uh, Nick Offerman did years ago. I think yeah. I vaguely remember Axe Cop being around as a thing. I remember I'll, the I'll, comics. I also know Inferno Cop. Is that the one that it kind of looks like Ghost Rider? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that because it's a very weird 2D, like it looks kind of like early South Park where it's obviously just like a 2D drawing on a 3D environment. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of that and I've, I like the clips I've seen. I didn't know about that. That's, that's funny. I like that uh, sense of humor. I'll maybe give yeah. that a go. Yeah, it's worth it's worth to watch. Like I said, episodes don't take take too long, so I definitely urge you to take a look. Speaking of taking a look, if you took a look at our Twitter recently, you may have noticed we ran a poll on September seventeenth. Uh, that was actually I think around the original uh, time we were going to record this episode, but uh, we asked if uh, if you're interested in the current gaming market right now, what are you the most interested in? I.e., what are you the most hyped for right now? And the options were. Some kind of Xbox, because fuck actually remembering which Xbox is which at this point. The PS5, uh, NVIDIA graphics cards, which are due out around the same time as the next uh, generation of consoles. Or our option, which was going to be for nothing. Like, if you're not hyped at all, there's always Siamese fighting fish. And, uh, which is the right answer. That's the correct answer <laughs> to that poll. So uh, that's one of the Siamese fighting fish answers uh, the votes accounted for. Um, for some I reason, voted twice. Avoid, I, I don't, could you have voted twice? Yeah, maybe. I think you could have if you used the Jibberfish account as well as your own. Shit. Yeah. Gen- ladies and gentlemen, uh, we can no longer uh, accept the validity of our election results. Although the, the clear winner is NVIDIA graphics cards, the election itself has been an absolute shambles and we will now refrain from using Twitter polls in the future. Uh, so this was a one-off opportunity. Fish were robbed, man. <laughs> uh, although somehow the no option of Siamese fighting fish beat some kind of xbox which was the only it got one vote which was the only vote for any console of any kind so i guess the console wars were dead um but the winner was the nvidia graphics cards and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh i think we want to talk about why the console wars are dead as they should be because the console wars are fucking stupid uh, i mean gone are the days where you were just limited to one console like physically you could only buy one console now I mean, a lot of people have a bit more money about them, and the people that are buying consoles have the ability to buy more than one. But even if you don't, more, more and more people are steering away from consoles now anyway. So the console wars are stupid. They annoy me. And it's a, the console wars continued because there's people, and we all know them, who refuse to admit that their console isn't as good, or people don't agree that their console is superior to other consoles. Yeah, and uh, we've rabid been, fanboyism. We've been talking about this for a while now. That the the actual answer as to what makes the best console is not the console itself; it's the games you have available. So mm-hmm. the battle for uh, game exclusives has gone rabid. With, uh, for example, uh, Microsoft spending seven point five billion, as in with a B billion, on buying Bethesda and uh, their other sub branches. They bought Zenimax, uh, I think, just a week ago, or maybe earlier this week. But they uh, they bought Zenimax for a hefty seven point five billion, 
which means they have all the IPs Bethesda had. So Skyrim. They also own Obsidian as well, which made uh, Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, so they own all the Fallout IPs. They own all the uh, Elder Scrolls IP. They own Doom. They own uh, Wolfenstein. What else is it? Evil Within. Rage. Prey. Rage, yeah. Yeah, that's all part of the Zenimax family. So if that all got snapped up, that's all now in Microsoft's hands, which means that there's now a massive available content pool for their uh, streaming service or their uh, rental service, the Xbox Game Pass, which makes it interesting. But as you yeah, say... The uh, fact that you can get Game Pass from Microsoft for your Series X from the jump kind of makes me think that it gives it or kind of puts in my mind that they have a leg up over PS5 because PS5 has fair enough they've got some absolute belters at launch yeah uh, they've got Spider-Man Miles Morales they've got uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift in Time or whatever the fuck it's called <laughs> uh, they have Dark Souls but I don't think Dark Souls is going to be a launch game it's a Demon Souls remaster uh, Demon Souls not Dark Souls yeah I mean how you can't blame me for mixing those two up I can uh, and will <laughs> okay, and I think a lot of people on the internet can and will, but having Microsoft put out the Game Pass, which it now has EA game, uh, uh, an EA version of Game Pass attached to it, I think that gives a massive advantage to Xbox. But of course, uh, PlayStation Five have kind of pulled more of a fan base into the PS Five because they have they've announced Final Fantasy Sixteen, they've announced uh, Devil May Cry Five Special Edition, which will be coming to the Xbox. Uh, there was a whole load of uh, other typically Sony aligned games that were announced during their conference that aren't going to stay exclusive it'll be like that timed still. exclusive thing where it's like theirs for a couple months and then it'll cross over to the other yeah. platforms Yeah, I think that that's the way the future of the, the game market now is going to be a timed exclusive because the exclusive just pisses everyone off um, unless yeah. you benefit from it but there's now I'd say so much cross-pollination you end up with people who just want the best experience for gaming on either platform and will not spend a couple hundred pounds to get another platform to play games on and actually resent the company that makes them make that choice yeah and I think uh, if we can go back to the Bethesda being bought by Microsoft I've seen a lot of people online on Twitter and I've had conversations with some people uh, about it, saying that they're really worried that things like Elder Scrolls, things like Doom, uh, Fallout, uh, Wolfenstein are going to become exclusives. I don't think even Microsoft would have the balls to do that. I think they're going to use Bethesda to make them some exclusive games, but I think the titles that are known for being available on all platforms are going to stay available on all platforms. I don't think, contrary to what people think about Microsoft, I don't think they're that money hungry. I actually just don't think that's stupid, stupid. yeah. <laughs> we, we got there at the same time, yeah. I, I yeah. don't think... I think they recognise what's gone on in the last couple of generations. I think... Uh, we talk about the PS5 having a rabid fan base. I think that stems from the PS4 being a really good console and having a lot more game exclusives. And I think that explains Microsoft's uh, retaliation in this generation of consoles where it's all about the games. It's about having a family of studios they can turn to and say, make a game for this uh, for our platform we'll put it out there and just pay you a fat stack of cash to make it for us. Mm. I think that's where uh, the, their approach to this comes from because as well, the fact that they're launching two consoles, the smaller one for what I think is desktop solution, uh, talking with Jamie about this, and I think he's, we're, we basically came to the conclusion 
that is the one that's uh, going to go in your your gaming room if you have like a a PC and you have this on the side uh, for the little Xbox console. That's where that belongs. Whereas the Xbox, the big one, belongs in the living room because that is also a built-in uh, 4K Blu-ray player. As I think that's the multimedia uh, version of the console. But I, I think they've decided that that's how they're they're just going to say we need to have two options available and but at the same time have them both be powerful enough to run the games that we want to bring people through the Game Pass platform. Yeah, and I think with both consoles taking such a a step towards 8K, mm. I think how that's going to, or what's going to happen with the, the uh, better use of movies, or better implementation of movies, I think having both consoles having the ability to play these new 4K Ultra HD movies, it's probably going to cement their place in the living room anyway, but I think what their both companies need to do is make sure that they can, they still have a viability you know, being in someone's bedroom so they can simply play games all day. Yeah. R- remember that so you're a gaming console a first. TV box. Yeah. I say remember that you're a gaming console first. That's how you sell it to the majority of people. Um, I, if, you know, if grandma wants a, a Blu-ray player, she buys a Blu-ray player. She doesn't buy an Xbox that happens to play Blu-rays. You know, you're selling it to the younger generations, the kids, the, the man-children like ourselves that uh, want to have a console that also happens to be a, a Blu-ray player. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I one thing that I was very surprised to see is that the NVIDIA graphics cards did so well in the poll that they won. And I think that that was, um, as you say, like the console wars are dead. And I think an improvement in PC gaming helped kill it um, because we now have a viable competition on PC gaming where we have Intel and AMD fighting out over processors and NVIDIA and AMD fighting out in graphics cards. And both of those guys are, second, or all three of those uh, companies are putting out absurdly good products right now. But uh, the NVIDIA graphics cards right now have had a bit of a, a flop uh, release hyped up their uh, releases with some really good stats claiming to be I think at one point like the the low tier card of this generation is the same as last year's highest tier card so that was kind of impressive uh kind of scary when you think about it because uh that last last generation's top tier card went for about 1.2 grand and this card is going to go for about five or six hundred oh yeah uh, maybe even 400 depending on which version you buy um and that sparked a lot of questions uh with the next like the next two generations or the next two tiers up being double and even possible to triple the power of the base card which was insane like when you, you hear about it um but the top we talk about 8k that will be hopefully available with the 3090 cards i think they're called um yeah and maybe even the 3080 cards but the, uh, the the launch of the 3080 has been a bit of a shit show because uh, everyone's sold out. It seems to be a bit of a problem that's going around, doesn't it? Every time they try to get the new thing, because it happened quite badly with the PlayStation 5s, it's happening with the Xbox Series Xs. They just seem to be selling it very quickly. Yeah, those consoles actually launched their pre-orders this week and have already gone out of stock in multiple but stores. I, <laughs> but if I've heard right for the NVIDIA 3090s, uh, the reason why they're out of stock is because there was shitty bot protection on one of the websites, so there was bots just buying them in the hundreds. Yeah, and uh, there's a bit of an outrage at the uh, the, the the company for selling them because it's selling directly from NVIDIA. 
um, for not having a capture in place. You know, the whole thing of like, click click this box to prove that you're not a robot. Um, And that apparently is, was not there. So Russian bot or whatever bots came in, bought it all, uh, passed it on to scalpers who are now charging maybe even double the price on eBay. I actually haven't gone to look for the prices, but I guarantee you there's at least one or two that are double. I've seen uh, for the someone was offering a PlayStation Five pre-order for seven thousand pounds. Fuck off! <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a eBay listing, genuine PlayStation Five pre-order, not the console, just the pre-order, seven thousand pounds. A reminder yeah, to everyone: seven K and are mentally deficient. <laughs> By all means, go for it. A reminder to everyone: you could just wait a little bit. It's fine, <laughs> you know. If, unless you're buying it for a kid's Christmas, in which case, you know, maybe we, as as a community, as a society, as gamers, we rise up and step aside uh, to let people buy their consoles for the kids and then we'll jump on later and grab them as, you know, grown-ups and we can get our hands on them later on. I think that'd be a pretty decent move, but probably won't happen. It's too late now anyway. Um, the cat's already out of the bag. But uh, the one thing that got me, actually, was with the 3080 launch um, for the NVIDIA graphics cards, there was a bit of a scandal happened because they, what happened is that NVIDIA makes their card, their base specs, and they send out the spec sheet to manufacturers and mm-hmm. say, if you want to have a, a 3080 graphics card, it's got to have blah, 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 blah. And one of those blahs was a certain set of capacitors. You needed to have at least uh, four of uh, these like very basic capacitors and one incredibly expensive, at least one incredibly expensive one and then you could either choose to have a second expensive one or another cheap one, depending on how you wanted to make it. Um, only problem is, a number of different manufacturers for the 3080 graphics card have been found to have a uh, all six of those capacitors as the cheap version. And that causes problems because of the way the power is set up in those graphics cards. You actually have a um, like almost a direct line between the power input and the actual processing unit. And if the like power input is not being properly regulated by the capacitors, it fucks the CPU up. So it can't actually process what it's trying to calculate. So it actually shits the bed. And we've had uh, reports starting to crop up on like Reddits of people who have put in their new graphics card, had it running for a little bit. All of a sudden it starts to kind of boost itself up a bit because it thinks it can uh, handle a bit more extra energy. And all of a sudden the capacitors aren't working properly. The... Uh, CPU or the GPU gets overwhelmed and it kicks the player at the game or just crashes the entire console or the entire uh, PC. So uh, people did some digging and actually found that the capacitors being used were not, no one's using the little expense or to the uh, suppliers aren't using the uh, expensive capacitors. So it's fucked up a bunch of graphics cards. The solution to this might be well, there's one solution that you take back everyone's cards remake them with the expensive capacitors or you just put out a BIOS update and throttle them. So you basically say you can't go above 95% because it's only once you hit that 100% the uh, capacitors start to shit the bed. But graphics cards have a habit of running at 100% to achieve what uh, the gaming output requires. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out because the easiest option is to throttle the cards and say that they only run at 95%, and then maybe make the next batch with the right required parts. So I'll be inter- I'll be keeping an eye on that one, because I'm not entirely sure how this pans out, and uh, 
I think some people might have been sold a full bill of goods, really. Mm. If you're being told it's it can uh, over... On you go. No, uh, just, I think the the best, the only thing to do, really, product recall, just to save face, because I don't think people would be happy getting a, con getting a, a part, fairly central part to a PC that only yeah. works at... Fair enough, it's not, you know, working at 10%. Capacity, but still, it's not working at full capacity. Yeah, so I think genuinely, best thing to do Nvidia re product recall, fix them, delay the launch by a couple months to fix the problem. Then, it's actually, not Nvidia's fault, really. In a weird way, yeah, or the manufacturer. Yeah, the, t the two manufacturers that have been uh, dropped in this one. I think one of them was Gigabyte, um, was one of the ones I saw in the video I watched earlier that was explaining all this. And I was like, oh my god, they fucked up. They need to either th they need to throw all the cards to prevent people from crashing. But also, I think I'm in the same boat as you, where I'm saying we need to get this, uh, like the product recalled ultimately, or send out new cards with the proper pieces in place. Because if you're saying to someone, "Oh yeah, buy this graphics card; it can do all this," but in reality, it only does ninety-five or ninety percent of that, it's um, it's kind of a, a shit show, really. Like, <laughs> I, th I think you might be leaving yourself open to a a little bit of a loss. It's going to cost them. Yeah, it could end in a lawsuit. Let's not forget that fact. And uh, these cards are being sold in America, so you never know. Yeah. Very, very litigious. <laughs> very Still litigious people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, like, the tech spear right now is fantastic. Uh, a reminder to everyone, you don't actually need these products. You can wait. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Just I'm... Wait I'm a couple months. Wait till Christmas when the, when the stock comes out in bulk. Yeah. Then, wait then and buy it. Uh, January sales and Amazon, um, what's it called Amazon Day? It's like late November or something like that. It's like Black Friday or oh, something like that. Just before yeah, Black it. Friday, yeah. Well, there's Black Friday and just there's Amazon. No, it's June, isn't it? Yeah. It's Cyber Monday. Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and because that's just a twenty. That's like a ninety-six hours of just here's the biggest bargain. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Wait, isn't isn't Black Friday two weeks before Christmas? Uh, no, it is the Thursday is, like, the, the last Thursday of November is Thanksgiving, and then the Friday afterwards is Black Friday. Yeah. That's, that's I it. think that's how it works. Goddamn American holiday just make no sense. Yes, uh, I mean, it's not even an American holiday at this point. I've seen people in Edinburgh invading Asda and shit, other retail stores trying to get the get their hands on discounted TVs. I was talking about uh, Thanksgiving, but the yeah, Black Friday right. has become a worldwide phenomenon, um, or at least in the yeah. West. Thanks so. Thanksgiving is basically just a, it's a very strange celebration to want to have, especially nowadays. Maybe <laughs> yeah. you want to sweep Thanksgiving under the carpet, forget it exists. Yeah. Uh, right, I think it's time for a showstopper. Absolutely. So with things being a bit grim right now, uh, we decided to go with a showstopper that's a bit more positive and actually something that's a bit close to our hearts. Um, we obviously have talked at length about the impact Dungeons & Dragons has had on our lives and uh, I don't think we can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with today's showstopper. Um, CNN did a, have a podcast and series called Great Big Story, which is where they basically go and find these little uh, like unheard people who are just like normal people, they just do one weird thing and they go and interview them and have a interesting discussion with them. So uh, one of the people they found is a guy called Robert, I'm going to get this name wrong, uh, Wardho, or Wardho, um, who has been playing the same game of Dungeons & Dragons for 38 years. 
Fucking hell. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's DM is a saint. No, he is the DM. All right, that guy is a saint. Yeah, he if has been play, running... If he's playing with the same group, and that group is playing with the same character that they started with, that guy is a saint. Well, um, you can actually listen to this. I'm actually going to leave this mostly without the details and just provide the links, uh, because this is... The, the Great Big Story podcast is uh, kind of interesting. It's one of those little, uh, the smaller podcasts, like 15 minutes long, but it takes like 20 people to produce because they spend time to like go through and add little audio cues and little special effects. You know, those kind of overproduced ones that you find from big media companies where it's like talking about how uh, Robert will hang out with his friends at weekends and roll dice and they'll add little dice effects. And yes, I did have a dice and a piece of wood next to me to make that sound effect happen in real time for the entire show. I've been waiting to make that one dumb joke for about two hours now. I'm You're welcome. Because uh, I've started playing D&D again recently. Uh, I say recently. The last time I had a session was about two months ago when we were allowed to go outside. <laughs> but uh, the price of dice trays nowadays is about 30 to 40 quid for something that you're going to use maybe two, three times a, a month. Yeah. Well, uh, the the story for or the, the podcast for Great Big Story is about 15 minutes uh, there's also a CNN article which has a media player embedded in it so you can listen to the article, uh, which is strange. Their podcast and the article are basically word for word the same thing because I've read and seen it. So I'd recommend if you're going to check the story out, pick one or the other. Uh, you don't really gain anything from doing both because I think they use the script of the, the podcast as the article itself. Um, so I'll send you a link to it just now, Dom, actually. It's, uh, it's quite interesting to see this guy's experience because he's been playing for so long he actually started playing during the Satanic Panic. So he's been playing back then, and he grew up in like a very Christian fundamentalist uh, group. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, I'm going to play this thing where I pretend to summon the devil. So he's uh, he's got an interesting experience of it, and like his commitment to this has been fantastic. And because he's a Canadian, and the, it's just wholesome as all hell, his reason for starting playing D&D was to uh, have a game that would bring his friends back every week. Or every other week, because uh, he wanted to make sure his friend group all stayed together from childhood. So he's just kept the same group around by playing this one game of D and D. And like he says, he started with the original six people. There's now sixty people involved in this game, and some of them travel or like Skype in from the UK to help play. It's yeah, I've actually seen uh, there was a. I think I've seen the video of this on YouTube. Uh, this was a while ago. I didn't know that this he'd been interviewed about it again. I think it was on Vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to actively promote Vice because I think they're a lowest common denominator shite in terms of actual <laughs> good content but uh, it was this guy talking about uh, his miniatures that he uses for D&D and he actually has uh, just boxes upon boxes of stuff that he uses for D&D he's got you know, the typical town setup with the trees and the buildings and the, the towers in the background then he's got the dungeon setup then he's got the, the ship setup where he's got you know a big water rig and he's got the ships going alongside it the guy's miniatures alone are insane yeah well in the article they talk about the fact that he has 20,000 miniatures to help represent and build the world and uh, you can see in the picture on the article he has two ships or two full-size ships a bunch of smaller uh, viking long ships and then he's got a, a collection of dragons and hydras, stairwells, he's got a giant tower that you could like, live an entire army in, he's got a Greek-looking uh, stone house, he's got all these little buildings off of the side. This guy has dedicated an impressive amount of time, and I'd encourage people to go and check out your story, because this is just love for the game on a whole other level. This is, uh, 
this is like the kind of thing that you if you told someone about it after it already happened you'd never believe it uh, but they're they're talking about the fact that actually during the pandemic he has been playing more than he has um, in previous years like he's running his way through his material and they checked up on the guy the original interview they did was in 2018 or 2017 and they actually have been playing more since the pandemic because there's nothing really to do uh, other yeah, than just play D&D. Oh, to be fair to him, playing D&D on services like Roll20 and through Discord is a completely different, not quite as fun beast. So if he still kept the game going through that, yeah, it deserves all the praise he's getting. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, it's it's interesting. I, I, it's, it's one of the things of, I hate using the phrase goals, but yeah, goals. If I, <laughs> playing a like a long term campaign like this, this is the um, whenever you hear about some someone doing something epic in a in a certain sense of scale, this is how it starts. It starts thirty years ago with someone just doing the same thing again and again and again, and building up uh the the content, the relationship with all the the players, the characters, and now we're at the point where he can sit back and say, "I hold the record for the longest game of Dungeons and Dragons." And it's uh, it's impressive. I, I'm really impressed by this guy's tenacity to keep going with it. Because how often do D and D groups fall apart? Yeah, I mean, uh, the group that I started, uh, basically, we did two sessions, and then one of the people in the group was notoriously busy. So of course, I'm not going to be the. Like, we have to meet you this time. I'm still fairly flexible about it. But uh, we had one session going, then said, nah, I can't do that one, we need to cancel. And then we went to reschedule for the following week, and that's when the, the rule of six came in. So I definitely want to be that guy, so, like, just kind of shut it down, don't worry about it. But this is kind of making me want to, you know, persevere through it. Just say, nah, guys, let's just shelve it for the time being, we'll come back to it. We won't, we won't eliminate the possibility. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the world may end, elections may go the way you don't want them to. But Robert, I'm going to get it wrong again, Robert Wordhall will still be playing D&D. And I think that's fucking amazing. The fact that he's been playing 38 years? Yeah. That's longer than, not both of us combined, but both of us have been on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I, I just, I can't imagine, I mean, it's, you talk about like the same players, the same characters, the same core group are all there, but obviously they're now living multiple generations of different characters. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I think that's really cool. It's a good uh, uplifting moment to end the, end the show. So, uh, with that in mind, um, we will catch you in the next episode. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, okay. I've... Hmm? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but just the way I ended that, it's like, and, that, and that's a good moment to end the episode on. That's ended like I was fucking done with this episode. Like, <laughs> like, I, want to, I want to go and get a cup of tea. <laughs> It's, look, it's it's late. We all want to get cups of tea. <laughs> we require Darjeeling tea. Uh, so in the meantime, I you can just leave us alone. <laughs> we're not promoting the podcast. No more. No more. Uh, it's no more Twitter handles. We're not going to promote any podcast handles. Fuck it. We're going home for Darjeeling tea. <laughs>